What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easy, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. It's all in one place and it's free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start recreating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available now on Spotify. Of course, they're optional. And when you want to take your conversations with your fans to the next level, the Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking and to get the conversation going. With Spotify for podcasters, you can even earn money in a variety of ways, including podcast ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Listen, ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it has truly taken my show to a whole new level, especially with having the options like the video podcast, the Q&As and the polls, and has let me be creative in a completely different way and connect with my audience in a completely different way as well. So I highly recommend that you give it a try. Download Spotify for Podcasters app or either go to the website, which is spotify.com slash podcasters to get started today. Hey guys, welcome to the Girl Techno Podcast. I am your host, Shawnee Sanders. And today we have special guests with us. It is Andrea Ippolito. She is the founder and CEO of Simply Feed. And Simply Feed is a maternal health tech platform that helps parents access um, feeding support, breastfeeding support. And I think it's, correct me if I'm wrong, Andrea, I think it's taken by most insurances. You got it. Okay, good. So welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. So excited to be having this conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a really good conversation to have because I I myself didn't breastfeed, but I have a lot of friends who've been through these struggles of trying to breastfeed or breastfeeding and feeling super exhausted. So before we get into any of those, kind of give me, you know, on here, we like to get the story behind the brand. So give me the story behind what made you start this company? Like, what's the story behind it? Well, I just really appreciate the opportunity to share it because, you know, we're a parent-led company and mm-hmm. and our lived experience definitely helped inform Simply Fed. And so uh, I'm a biomedical engineer by background, worked in medical devices, worked in the federal government. Um, and then at the tail end of my time in government, mm-hmm. I... Uh, was pregnant with my first daughter and we moved to uh, upstate New York, had my first daughter and saw how hard baby feeding was. My daughter was born three weeks early, so not quite preterm, but you know, earlier than expected. Yes. And so she was underweight, born at about five pounds, 
And then like a lot of babies, she dropped weight and was down to four pounds. And I just had a heck of a time with breastfeeding. Uh, she mm. continued to lose weight. You know, you've 3D printed this baby uh, after nine months and <laughs> and you're just so excited. It baby got like 3D printed. <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, your first task as a parent is feeding it and baby arrives. And, you know, I personally felt like I was failing at my first task as a parent. And I uh, started combo feeding and, mm. and, and I did end up getting support, but you know, it wasn't my original goal. Um, but the good news is I started formula feeding and baby started gaining weight. My mental health improved mm -hmm. all the things, but you know, in retrospect, I was, um, it was sad because I wanted access to support. I wanted access to support. And I learned that, you know, I'm, this is the former healthcare federal bureaucrat nerd in me. <laughs> that, you know, health plans are required under the Affordable Care Act to cover baby feeding support, but mm. the vast majority of health plans weren't in compliance with that policy. And as we know more than ever is that it's so important that families get access to support covered by their yes. health plans. They're right under federal law. And so set out with, with other parents to, to, to found Simply Fed and democratize mm to baby feeding support services. And, and one of our big takeaways as well was no matter how you feed your baby, formula feeding, breastfeeding, pumping, donor milk, whatever that looks like to you, we mm -hmm. have your back and you get support from us covered by your health plan at no cost to you, which again is your right under federal law. And so that was the other missing piece that we found in our own lived experiences that felt like there was a lot of judgment out there, yeah. whether you were formula feeding. And, and we realized that it can't be that way. We got to meet parents where they're at, no matter how they feed their baby, we should have their back. Yeah, yeah, that's a hundred percent true. So, did your background in biomedicine engineer did that contribute to this business? Or like, that's such a big transition. I feel like you know, did it contribute to this? Yeah, for sure. So, I was you know a benchtop scientist engineer <laughs> at this medical device company, and to be totally honest, I was a pretty mediocre engineer, <laughs> pipetting, and I'm not the most handy person around, and. And, but what I loved is thinking about the system surrounding the devices. And, and that's what caused me to, to go to grad school. And I, and I became in love with telehealth and this was mm -hmm. 13 years ago. And my research and grad school was for the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff on how do we leverage telehealth to improve access to behavioral health care for service members faced with post-traumatic stress. So mm -hmm. this was before the adoption of telehealth that we see today. Yep. Um, and we saw, I saw the power of telehealth to improve access to care for mm. folks that need access to mental health care. And, and we'd have, you know, service members in upstate rural New York at Fort Drum uh, yeah. that they had been uh, deployed in Afghanistan and and they were all 20,000 service members were coming back at the same time and their behavioral health providers were incredibly overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of the country at Tacoma, Washington, Joint Base Lewis McCord, their service members were still deployed and their behavioral health providers were incredibly underwhelmed. And mm -hmm. so I saw the power of telehealth to really improve access to care. And then fast forward when I had my first daughter, yeah. you have this little newborn nugget terrified to leave the house and this was before covid by the way yeah in the men that car seat going to another clinic appointment 
I saw again the power of telehealth to improve access to care, to get access to support, say at two in the morning or on the weekend when you need it. Baby feeding, no matter how you feed your baby, is a no days off sport, right?、Mm-hmm. And so. Having access to support when and where you need it from the comfort and safety of your own home, so you don't have to strap in that precious little newborn to a car seat, is oh so important. So it reminded me a lot of the work I did with the military health system on how we improve access with telehealth, and so leveraged that and brought that to Simply Fed. Oh, that's so awesome! What challenges? Because you know when you think, when you talk about breastfeeding, you talk about feeding your baby. A lot of times, people, like you said, could be challenges with that. People don't want to talk about it. What challenges did you face with starting this company in the beginning? Well, well you're still facing challenges. That is too, you know. Oh, holy moly! And you know, <laughs> every day, every every day,、um, you know, it's always funny when you're talking to entrepreneurs and they're、mm-hmm. amazing podcasts like this or. <laughs> There's a bit of this revisionist history, right? Yes.、Oh, company, and here we are, and everything <laughs> is great.、Um, but oh wow, starting a company is is tough. And、mm. you know, I have two little kids, two daughters under five. I'm pregnant with a third,、mm-hmm. and I think we need to do more in this country to support small business owners, and especially small business owners that are parents. Yes.、Um, Especially small business owners that are parents that are moms. Yes. <laughs> Women we know are half the workforce now. Yep.、Mm-hmm. We have not evolved to support women in the workforce, and very biased. But I think that gets even more heightened when you're a small business owner. Yeah. And and that's been my experience. Is it's hard, right? I I'm pregnant with my third daughter. We have a small, very mighty team. But what does parental leave look like for me? Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like when you're an entrepreneur, it's what is parental leave? You know what I mean? It's like it's, it's almost as if it doesn't exist because you're twenty four seven, twenty four hours, seven days a week an entrepreneur. It seems like like there's no days off. Totally, that's exactly it. And so, what do you do? So we need more federal and state policies、mm-hmm. in place that can help support small business owners. That's been a fun challenge, you know. Secondly, one of the things I learned with working in government is you have to respect bureaucracy. And I know that sounds、yeah. like a super funny thing to say, but <laughs> where bureaucracy is there for for good reason. However, when you're trying to democratize access to a service that's supposed to be covered by a law but hasn't、mm-hmm. over the last decade, you have to wait in the bureaucracy for a bit and. And that truly helps us accomplish our mission of democratizing access. So, what do I mean by that? So,、mm-hmm. we work with commercial health plans, we work with Medicaid plans, and we work with Tricare health plans serving families across the U.S. And unfortunately, when you're working often with Medicaid plans,、yeah. uh, who folks are often the most underserved, there is that extra level of bureaucracy.、Mm-hmm. However. It's good. It's all good. It's to make things sure things are fair. We're being good stewards of taxpayer dollars. However, takes some some more effort sometimes.、Yeah. And alongside, you got to build trust with the folks that you're serving, and that takes time. And so,、yeah. a lot of what we try to do is do a lot of listening to parents, community-based organizations, so that we can build those trusted relationships with them. Again, takes time. System change is is not something that happens overnight. It's incremental, and it, it's all about building trust along the way. 
Yeah, that that is so true. Um, I know it wasn't an easy role partnering with these organizations, these health organizations, or either was it hard to convince them like, hey, this is an important part of a woman's health journey is how she feed her baby. Because, you know, as we get further into the talk about the journey of breastfeeding, it could be like I said, it could be very exhausting. I had a friend who was exhausted from baby feeding, you know, from breastfeeding and felt like, I mean, I mean, she just was so exhausted. She was delusional at times because it was, it was almost like she was feeding the baby nonstop and they eat so much more where there's like a bottle. You just kind of like make it and you can just easily feed your kid and you, you can't, like, you can still have some rest. You might be a little sleep deprived, but not as much what I feel like what a woman that breastfeeds. So I know it's good. Was it difficult to convince um, companies to say, Hey, this is why the support is needed because it's an important part of a woman's health journey. Well, Thanks for saying that. And you're right on. Well, we have one thing on our side. And the one thing we had on our side was the fact that under federal law, this is supposed to be covered under the affordable. Yeah. Most health plans were not in compliance with that policy. So good old, you know, when you talk about carrot versus stick, good old stick side of it. <laughs> but to your point, and, and, and frankly, more importantly, is your breastfeeding and baby feeding, mm -hmm. your formula feeding, pumping, no matter what baby feeding is so connected to woman's health. Yeah. And I'm talking about both physical and to your point just now, mental health. Mm -hmm. So when we're speaking with stakeholders and health plans, uh, sadly, we have to draw the line a little bit more than we'd like to, but yeah. uh, we make that point and we show them the medical literature that exists in this arena. You know, I, I think sometimes we forget that breasts are organs and, yeah. and, yes. and they need to be tended and cared for. Also, mom's mental health and mind is also another organ that mm -hmm. we to tend and care and all the puns here, but tend to care and feed. And so having access to trusted, certified, evidence-based providers as part of this maternal health care journey is oh so critical. And lactation consultants who are baby feeding experts, again, no matter how you feed your baby, formula feeding, breastfeeding, pumping, donor, et cetera, having access to a certified highly trained evidence-based provider as part of that clinical care team mm -hmm. during that perinatal journey has been missing today. Yeah. And, and it should be covered by health plan. So a lot of what we do is make the case of that, even though sadly we shouldn't have to because breastfeeding, formula feeding is woman's health and woman's health is health. Yeah, it is health. You know, it's so funny you mentioned that it, it has, it's been missing for a while. And I, I can remember where it's like most of the time when you have a baby in the hospital, it's just that nurse comes in, try to help you, show you how to breastfeed, how to get the baby to latch. And it's kind of like, that's it. It just stops from there. No one comes home with you. No one says, Hey, do you need that extra support to try to breastfeed? And you try to go online, see what you can find. But you're right. It was like, once you leave the hospital, that's kind of like where it stopped. Totally. And, and what's so crazy frustrating about it is just physiologically, your milk doesn't come in often for three to five days <laughs> after you leave the hospital. So you're getting this support, you know, in the yeah. hospital. By the way, you've just had this crazy medical procedure, whether that's C-section or vaginal delivery, and you're, I'll speak for myself, delirious. <laughs> and what's ha what just happened? You're recovering. Yeah. And you know, this thought this nurse is coming in trying to help, but you're yeah. like, it's coming out because it's it's still pretty early. It's droplets at first. And so there's a mismatch of when it's taking place, 
with when you're getting support. And that's why we believe so much in this telehealth model. Yeah. Because it meets families where when you need it postpartum um, and you get that access to support. And, you know, and the last thing I'll say as well on this topic is that when I, you talk to friends and family, say overseas, say, let's say in mm -hmm. Europe, I have a, a close friend that lives in Berlin, Germany. Yeah. She's talking about amazing nurses coming to her home, you know, once a week postpartum and Wow, wow, that sounds awesome. It does. <laughs> in America, while we, you know, are this great country and we have this great healthcare system, I feel like we're so far behind with maternal health. And by the way, that's just not like us anecdotally saying that. The data shows that. And we yeah. know that women are left behind. We know with black women, maternal mortality is three times oh. the rate of white women. And that's just unacceptable. And so there's just so much more we need to do because we're so far behind our peers. We really are. That mortality rate you talked about with among black women has been a big topic and a big issue. And, you know, you you hope that one day because, you know, as you mentioned, your friend living um, in another country. And it's like, do you ever see us as a country getting to that point where we take women's health a little bit more seriously? We take African-American women health a little bit more seriously when it comes to pregnancy and providing that type of support. Do you ever or that's just like a dream state to be in? So I, I'm, I try to be an optimistic, hopeful person, <laughs> but I got to be honest. It's hard to see it right now. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard in this moment in 2023 and what's happened with women's health in the last year. I, 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 I don't remember her name and I do apologize because I'm not giving credit where it's credit's due. Mm -hmm. But I saw this video last night about the disparities with women's health, especially with black women. Mm -hmm. And she described it. It's a feature, not a bug. Ugh. And that just like tore me like, oh, I get like emotional thinking about it because yeah. It's just insane. It's a feature, not a bug. And I think we have so far to go in mm -hmm. maternal health in this country. And we, and we're, and it's hard to see it. I do think there are steps being taken, yeah. um, but not fast enough. And we need systems wide change here. Yeah. And I think the fact that it's now being more so talked about more, you know what I mean? And I can contribute that to more like social media because had we not have certain platforms and people coming out and speaking about it, we wouldn't know. So how important would you tell a, a woman or a mother to be her health advocate? Because you have to advocate for yourself in all in, in your overall health. Because I myself, um, you know, I'm a breast cancer survivor. I and I didn't know I had, which was so shocking. I know it's off topic from like, you know, um, breastfeeding, but just talk about women's health. And I was so surprised that one, I had it because I get mammograms and nothing is showing up. You know, but, you know, and I just thought about that. And I'm just like, had I not done certain procedures, had I not been more of an advocate for myself, where would I be right now? You know, I caught it very early, but where would I be? And so how important is it for a woman, a pregnant woman, a woman that's a new mom to be her own health advocate? It, it's so critical. And women in particular get lost in the system. Yeah. And we also put others before us. And so yeah. we, we need to put ourselves at the forefront. And, you know, we like to say it's simply fed. There is a safe replacement for breast milk. There mm -hmm. is no safe 
replacement for a mom and a, yeah. and a healthy, happy mom. Mm -hmm. And so we as women need to put ourselves. So what does this look like in practice? So I'm, I'm pregnant with my third kid yeah. in the OB yesterday. Love my OB. Um, but two things. One is I had preeclampsia with my first daughter. Mm -hmm. Weirdly, I flipped the switch and I had extremely low blood <laughs> anemia with my second daughter. Wow. And <laughs> I am halfway through my pregnancy and low blood pressure is popping up again, which yeah. is actually somewhat normal at this stage, but it's something you gotta, gotta stay on top of. And mm -hmm. I noticed myself getting dizzy the other day. So oh, don't wow. feel like you need to be the hero, right? Make sure you're sharing these things and advocating for yourself, but staying on top of it. But secondly, another observation, uh, cause of, I live in a pretty rural area, mm -hmm. uh, huge issues with maternity care deserts in this country. And by the way, that's only getting worse to, to mm. what we were talking about previously. And as one example, our local OB practice here doesn't have a lab in it. So now you have to go for all your blood work and your um, diabetes shot, as yeah. I affectionately call it, you have to go to this other location. And by the way, no one sets that up for you. You just have to bring this piece of paper and go sometime between 26 and 28 weeks. And yeah. I have letters behind my shoulder of all the pelvic floor appointments I haven't gone to, <laughs> et cetera. And so, but that's so important. Gestational diabetes is not to be messed around with. Oh, that's true. Um, mm -hmm. Both for your health and your baby's health, but like you're kind of left on your own. And so if you're not quarterbacking and apologize for the sports metaphor there, your own health, sadly, it shouldn't be this way. You should have access to navigation and support. Mm -hmm. And I think these is where issues arise. And then, um, but unfortunately the system is not set up to support us. Like we're yeah. talking about feature, not a bug. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely true. And when you talk about your health as a new mom, particularly, especially if you want to breastfeed, your health is very important. You know what I mean? Because you're breastfeeding. So what are some of the um, struggles that you say most women have with breastfeeding? So those who can breastfeed, that is, because I know it's an emotional, like you said, you can feel very defeated. And I have some friends who felt very defeated because they weren't able to breastfeed. They felt like, why can't I give my baby what my body naturally makes? You know oh. what I mean? But then, I mean, it's, it's such a hard thing, you know, and it's a very emotional journey for them. But what struggles do a mom who does breastfeed, what are some of the struggles you think she faces? Yeah, it's, it, you're so right on. It, well, breastfeeding is quote unquote natural. There's nothing yeah. natural about it, right? It's, mm -hmm. um, and so we actually looked at our data recently and I'll try to pair with stories as well, but we looked at our data. What are the top issues that parents are facing? Yeah. Uh, so first, and especially in this first couple of weeks, latching, right? Yeah. Latching and is like, wow, figuring that out and positioning. Yes. It, I personally did not have that muscle memory. Everything about it was super awkward for me, not to mention the pain surrounding the latch. And so mm -hmm. the good news is that it shouldn't be painful. And so getting access to evidence-based support from providers yeah that can help with that and one of my biggest regrets is not getting access to support sooner and because I, I was you know fighting through that pain and it doesn't need to be that way yeah secondly it's uh, supply we know that is the second biggest reason why folks are coming to us for support and that might be under supply or over supply i always mm -hmm. was uh, just enough or even when i was lucky to your point about that and and there are some evidence-based things that you can do to get support and figure out what works for you right yeah 
Yeah. Feeding and combo feeding are great. And if that if that's what you need and that's your goal, rock on. And so working with providers to, to come up with a plan uh, in that arena. Another mm-hmm. thing that we know is pumping. Let's be real. Women are half the workforce now. So yeah. whether you work inside or outside the home, having access to modern tools is important. And the cool thing is there's super modern tools like wearable breast pumps yeah. where you can be, I have a friend who is a pediatrician or in the PICU, right? And she she was doing a code on a, a kid, which, oh my gosh, and pumping with the wearable. Oh my God. Um, and, but it's so important to get size, right? A lot of people don't realize that your breast pump, there's certain sizes with it. Doing that first pump session together with a trained healthcare professional, also important. Yeah. And so that's another, that's actually the third closely tied with one and two top issue. Um, mm. We also know that navigating breastfeeding and baby feeding and sleep is a, a critical and, and designing a plan that works for you. And again, protecting your sanity and your mental yes. health in the process. And that's by the way, formula feeding, pumping, breastfeeding at the breast, whatever that looks like to you, figuring out a plan with sleeping matters. Mm-hmm. And then we also know there's critical moments that matter, like that transition back to work, meaning yep. uh, growth spurts, combo feeding, forms. all these are big moments that matter that having access to trusted support is oh so critical. Oh my God. Yeah. You just went down like the whole line of it. <laughs> Every step of it is so important and having a plan. Do you recommend most new moms um, to have a plan when it comes to breastfeeding to try to be, um, have a schedule for it or, you know, try to say sleep when the baby sleep or, you know what I mean? Do you have, do you guys recommend a plan or have a plan for them or help them put a plan in place? We do. And here's the good news under your health plan, they're supposed to be covering a prenatal baby feeding education and planning appointment. So a a lot of times folks don't, I certainly didn't realize that you have access to that resource starting during pregnancy. And and often it does feel like a later problem. I know I feel that way too, (laughs) but here's why having an appointment during pregnancy matters. Mm-hmm. When a woman doesn't reach her breast, breastfeeding expectation, she's much, much more likely to be diagnosed with postpartum depression. Right? Oh, wow. Okay. You're, there's just a lot going on. And so what we do know is that starting during pregnancy to set expectations on what baby feeding looks like mm-hmm. helps with that. So let me give an example. As we were talking about earlier, at first, you're producing droplets or your milk mm-hmm. doesn't come in for three to five days. Not a lot of folks know that. I certainly did it. And you can often think you're failing if no one has told you that before you've had the chance to be successful. Mm-hmm. So we like to say to people, come in virtually, of course, do a prenatal baby feeding education appointment. Our providers do a lot of listening in that appointment to understand your goals and then based on your goals, design a plan. Now that plan, no doubt, is going to evolve. Yeah, and similar to labor plans, right? Things yep. will change, and you know, especially with labor, kind of scarily and quickly. Yes, uh, and and that's another place where you, you need to have that advocate and mm-hmm. access to resources like doulas, etc. Um, but we love to do that prenatal education appointment to come up with a plan so that parents, we can set expectations of what baby feeding looks like and come up with that plan, that that hypothesized plan that works for them. Why do you think most of us don't know that this type of resources 
is like an insurance company supposed to give us this and why don't they mention this to us because like you said i i didn't know half of any of this to be honest with you you know what i mean when it came to baby feeding the baby feeding process you just you just know what your mom told you you know what i mean what you've been taught and what you need to do when you get home you know you got to feed this kid and that's what you do but why do you think most insurances don't really educate us on that and let us know that there's resources out there to help us with it so what we've all felt with women's health is that it's just so far behind yeah and yeah. you know my point of view on this is that you know the affordable care act stood up this policy over 10 years ago and yet the system has not caught wow. up with yeah. that and so it, it's it's hasn't been implemented and because women's health has been so far left behind and we know that by the way when you look at federal funding say mm -hmm. at nsf nih for women's health diseases it's way below the funding uh tied to uh, in comparison to men's health specific so you see this across the system pretty pervasively but i think there is this you know woman needs to tough it out and mm. and often baby feeding breastfeeding isn't seen part of the healthcare experience but it is yeah both physical and mental. And so what we try to do is spread awareness of this. Um, and I will say once health plans find out that they're about this, they're like, whoa, like this is important. Maternal health is becoming mm -hmm. more part of the strategy and forefront. So I, I do applaud health plans for stepping up. Yeah. And we have some amazing health plan partners that have prioritized maternal health at the top of the list. And we as a system, as a country have so far to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as women, we need to more so, especially new moms, especially younger moms, you know, that really don't need this type of education when it comes to what's available to them, you know, because a lot of them don't know, you know, I have nieces who are young moms. And when you talked about, Hey, you need to, I always tell them you take care of the babies, you take care of the kids very well, but you also need to be very aware of your own health because without you, then where are they? You know, and I feel like that's something we for, well, younger ones, and even as women overall, sometimes we, like you said, we'll put ourselves on the back burner just to make sure the kids are good. And I think it's so important for especially younger generation and younger kids who are having kids to understand what their health look like, what health, you know, your health is your wealth, you know, and how important it is as a mom and a new mom to make sure you go after these different resources. Do you guys get younger moms on your platform a lot? We do. We do. Yeah. We get moms of all different ages. We we see a lot of parents and moms that, like you said, don't have often that trusted circle around them. Mm -hmm. One example is we work a lot with families in the military that are yeah. often super isolated, uh, often younger families, mm -hmm. and they have no one to turn to. And sometimes they just need someone that can hear them out also validate how they're feeling we do a lot of that with baby feeding <laughs> yeah and so we do see that and especially if they don't have that say near peer that older sister that parent yeah. around but even if they do having access to support is so important and so mm -hmm. we serve all different ages um and folks come to us with a whole bunch of different needs yeah yeah i know they do um we talked about so tell me um do simplify support moms who chooses to not use the bottle so simplify simply fast support moms to do any type of feeding process versus breastfeeding yeah so simply fed is incredibly inclusive and so what do mm -hmm. i mean by that 
we support folks that want to fully breastfeed. That's at their breast. If that's your goal, we got your back. We support moms that are fully formula feeding and, and that's so important too, selecting the right formula, mm-hmm. uh, transitioning to full formula, right? Making sure it's good for baby's tummy. We support families that are combo feeding and often, you know, in this world, we, it's, it's breastfeeding versus formula. The reality is most parents do both. Let's take out the verses, right? Yeah. This shouldn't be controversial. It sadly is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no matter how someone feeds their baby, they should get access to support that's trusted, that's evidence-based. Formula feeding right, is so connected to your baby's health and so connected to, to mom's health, in particular mental health. And so yeah. we support folks no matter how they feed their baby. And what we're excited to share is that, you know, via Simply Fed, you get access to lactation support covered by mm-hmm. your health you can get access to, to breast pumps. And we have uh, DME partner providers. What that means is they work with health plans to get breast pumps covered. We partner with them so parents can get easy access to breast pumps covered by your health plan at no cost to you. And we're also going to be helping to distribute formula, which after a year of the still ongoing formula shortage. Yes. Happening. We think having access to a trusted, affordable formula matters. And so Simply Fed's website will be distributing formula as well. So no matter how you feed your baby, we got your back, all the tools that you need. You know, speaking of the shortage of form, I was going to ask you about that. Um, was that something that you guys had to deal with your, with the people on your platform, with your customers? Was it a big concern for parents who couldn't get the formula, who use formula to feed their kids? How do you guys manage that? So we got a questions about, especially if say the formula that you use wasn't available, mm-hmm. what is a close enough equivalent formula yeah. so that it could be a seamless transition? And, and the good news is there are lots of formula brands out there. They're all authorized by the FDA, safe for your baby. And yes. most of them have pretty much the same ingredients. They look slightly different, but yeah. But the good news is, is that there are trusted options out there. And so, yeah, we got a lot of questions on switching brands, combo mm-hmm. feeding, maybe increasing supply, these types of questions. And then we, of course, got a lot of questions from pregnant parents. All right. How should I prepare for yeah. this going shortage? Yeah. Yeah. I know that was a big thing going on um, for a lot of the women in my family and friends as well. So, well, that's good to know how you guys handle that. Let me ask you this question. It's just me wanting to know why is there like this? Why do we have a culture of, you know, of like almost shaming, not shaming, but almost like women who have to use the bottle versus women who can breastfeed. You know, some people can be very judgmental, you know, and I like the fact that you guys like you keep stressing on your website. We are a non-judgmental, judgmental free zone, you know, so however you choose to feed your baby is how you choose. But there is some judgmentalness going on when it comes to breastfeeding versus bottle feeding, you know, and how do you attack that? Like, how do you deal with that? What do you tell a new mom that probably feels like, well, the circle of moms I'm around, they're all breastfeeding. I'm the only one bottle feeding and they're kind of, you know, look down on me for bottle feeding versus breastfeeding. There is sadly such an incredible amount of judgment and shame out there for reasons that are a mystery to me. And I think about this all 24 (laughs) seven. And look, it, no, however you feed your baby is your choice. Yes. And yes. I do think, you know, in when you're a new parent, you just want what's best for the baby. And mm-hmm. you know what? 
doing what's best for the baby is often what's best for parent and what's best for mom. Mm, and mm-hmm. I think there's a whole bunch of reasons how we got here from a history perspective. Their formula companies over the last few decades have done some pretty gnarly things, especially in other countries and yeah. marketing formula for folks that don't have safe access to drinking water. Yeah. That caused something called the WHO code to come out in the early 80s, where essentially the WHO code um, talks about uh, not promoting bottle feeding. But let's be real, that 1982 was a world away. Women mm-hmm. are having the workforce now. And I think that culture, you know, flipped the pendulum a little bit. There were some, certainly some bad actors in that. Yeah. Um, flip the pendulum and then it just caused this judgment and and it's just such a shame because I actually think that pressure and judgment often weirdly forces folks away from breastfeeding and getting access mm-hmm. to support because they're like, well, I don't want them to force me into breastfeeding. And so one of the reasons that we have that judgment-free zone is first off, like it shouldn't be contrary. However you feed your baby is your choice. And exactly. Moms, no matter what. And secondly, you should get access to evidence-based support. Um, yes. And so, and, and and that's so important, covered by your health plan. And so, we we really do try to 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 listen and have a lot of empathy, no matter how you feed your baby, because that's what mom needs and getting yeah. that and support. Yeah, that's that's so true. Just support is what's needed, and not feeling judged, no matter how you feed your baby. Versus you, I even have friends who make their own baby food. And they're kind of like, oh, I would never buy my child store brand foods. You know what I mean? And we're just like, well, good for you. You have a lot of time on your hands. You make food every day and, you know, the rest of us have to buy it. So, you know, it's so funny. It shouldn't be that way. But some people really do turn up their nose at certain things. And when it comes to your different motherhood journeys, you know, that's what I call it. Different journeys of motherhood. And so, you know, one thing I want to ask, what is the mission? What is your mission for Simply Fair? Like, what do you, overall, what do you want to convey to your, to the audience here, to the listeners and to every woman, a new mom? What do you want to let them know? Well, I'm so glad you asked this. And, you know, our North Star is democratizing access to baby feeding support resources and tools, whether that mm-hmm. is breastfeeding, pumping, or formula feeding, or all of the above. Um, yeah. I've done all of the above at the same time with all, <laughs> all of my kids. Uh, and and it's so important that we're not separate from the healthcare system. So a big part of our mission is partnering with the healthcare system and community-based organizations so that we're part of it. And the reason we want to do this is because in order to make change, you got to partner with the existing system. Yes. We in a silo or else you're not going to be able to accomplish this big, bold goal. And so what does that mean? It's that OBs, midwives, family medicine, clinicians are referring to us at that 28 week appointment. And that way we're embedded within the healthcare system. Same thing with labor and delivery. Hey, did you know you have access to the support covered by health plans? Same thing with pediatricians mm-hmm. with health plans so that we can educate them. Hey, did you know that under the Affordable Care Act, this is a covered mandated benefit? Oh, interesting. All right. Yes. And by doing that, families are getting access for free. Yes. Because it's their right to support at no cost to them. Now, let's take this in a different direction. Say we didn't decide to partner with the healthcare system. Say we didn't mm-hmm. decide to partner with health plans. Then folks are paying out of pocket for this. No thanks, right? 
that's expensive. I certainly don't have just extra cash laying around for that type of thing. And again, as yeah. about parents be prioritized and particular moms, their work. So we got to have as it is their right under law to get access to free support covered by your health plan at no cost to you, but it being embedded as part of your care journey so that you have awareness of this support. Yeah, I think that's the most important part, like you said, being embedded in your care journey so that you know that it is a free resource, like you said, because cost would be the main thing why a lot of people might not be able to do certain things. But knowing that when I have when I'm pregnant, this is like they'll recommend those. So you partner with the health organizations and they recommend these services to their clients, the health partners, that is doctors and pediatricians. And I think that's such a super amazing thing to be and to have it a part of your and be covered by insurance plan is a hundred percent awesome. So let's talk about, let me ask you this question. I was wondering, is your, is your job more so advocacy versus, um, actually running day-to-day business, you know, cause I know it's more of a lot of like advocating for women's health. Do you feel like you, do you feel like you have a good balance of that is, or is one more than the other? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. I should, I should like actually monitor that. I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's all intertwined because our mission is to democratize and improve access. And, and we need to do a lot of education to mm-hmm. folks of all different stakeholders, not, not just health plans and health systems, but of course, parents, because parents don't know that there's this trusted healthcare provider yeah. that is covered by their health plan starting during pregnancy. It often feels like a la- later problem, right? During pregnancy. Yeah. So we need to do a lot of education on why it matters to get support. So there's a lot of education that we're doing as, as part of our care pathway and experience, which is both flavors of advocacy, but also flavors of, you know, execution of our business as well. And so mm-hmm. they're very intertwined. Yeah. You know, what advice would you give another female entrepreneur? You know, just talk about entrepreneurship overall, being a mom, a working mom, uh, entrepreneur mom. Um, what advice would you give her um, to go down this journey of entrepreneurship? And how do you balance being a mom, a wife, and being an entrepreneur? So a couple things, and I'll just tell stories. And mm-hmm. I, I certainly- I love stories. <laughs> just figuring it out. I have no idea what I'm doing. I say I'm failing. So, um, so for me, it's all about near peer mentors. So, yeah. so I have a few friends that are one, two, three steps ahead of me in this journey. I lean on them big time. Mm-hmm. And it's a safe space that you I can like ask that. the questions that, maybe you don't want to expose yourself, right? You, you don't want to, Hey, like what can you break down these terms of, you know, in, in, when you're fundraising for a company, there's this thing called a term sheet. Hey, can you break down what, what these terms mean? I, I'm unfamiliar. I mean, that near peer mentor where you can be asked those questions that you're, you know, quote unquote embarrassed to ask, even though you shouldn't be, because yeah. I feel like as women we're, we're, always we what the data shows it's not just how we feel but what the data shows is that we're held to a higher standard and so mm-hmm. having that near peer mentor is so important um and i know i i turn to my near peer mentors all the time secondly realizing that there is no such thing as balance and that you know i do feel like i'm feeling forward and i do feel like i'm missing out i had my daughter turn five last thursday and and I got asked at the last minute uh, to, to go to this event uh, mm. in Boston, which couldn't say no, but met missing her, her day of her fifth birthday. And 
I don't know. That was super tough call. And there's these moments where I'm like, what the heck am I doing? But, but I also know myself and I also know what my mission in life is to really tackle this arena. Cause I know how I felt with feeding my first daughter and I don't want any parent ever again to feel that way. Yeah. And so I know that setting a good example, um, for my, like, seriously, it gets me all chip. I'll put it on the pregnancy. Um, <laughs> setting a good example for my daughters, even if it means, you know, yes. not being there for them 100% of the time. Yes. Yes. They're going to be very proud of mommy. Let me ask you this too. Um, I have such a good question in my mind and just slipped it. But being a working mom, what do you tell the working mom when it comes to um, breastfeeding? Because I do know now, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, or do this is this something that you advocate for? I do know that I've worked with two companies prior that actually had lactating rooms on site, which was like the first time I've ever seen those throughout my entire corporate career. You know what I mean? That was only a few years ago, the company I just left and maybe the company prior to that. Do you be, are you beginning to see more of that when it comes to corporate America? Are they beginning to support women's health and understand that breastfeeding is a part of it and mothers working moms need to have a space, a safe space that they can go to a private space they can go to, to make sure they, um, you know, are able to pump. Are you beginning to see more corporations begin to support that? So here's the good news. And, you know, I think earlier we were talking about the system isn't set up. There yeah. are glimmers of hope. And so yes. here's December 23rd, something called the Pump Act passed. Mm. And it helped further close the gap for working parents, in particular working moms, mm-hmm. getting access to a lactation room that is not a bathroom stall. Yes. And- <laughs> <laughs> not a closet next to the furnace. Now, yes. let's talk about what this means. Before this law, the Pump Act, technically there was another law before it, which was great, but there was a few asterisks in that law. One of the asterisks is, for example, teachers. Teachers didn't have access to lactation rooms technically under federal law. And so- Oh my God. Pump, I, I know, which is just like- <laughs> So what this pump act did is further close the gap. Now, here is the deal though. Mm -hmm. Technically the law says 50 employees or more. So again, now small businesses. Yeah. And and it's tough. It's a tough issue, but technically under federal law, employers are supposed to be providing space. That's Mm -hmm. not a bathroom. That's not a closet next to a furnace. Um, to be able to pump. I also think that in general, we're seeing more modern tools available. Pumping is not perfect, right? The whole thing, yeah. like it is, it, it's tough. It is not perfect and it's getting better and better and better. And uh, there, there is a long way to go, but I do think systems are evolving. More technologies that are designed with women's needs and minds are, are coming to the forefront. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just love your passion when you speak about these topics. Let me ask you this question too. Have you always seen yourself being an entrepreneur or is it something you probably can say, I just fell into this because when I came a mom, this just happened and I felt the need for it. Or is it something you always wanted to do was become an entrepreneur? You know, I'm not one of those people that were like, yes, when I was in, you know, elementary school, I had a lemonade stand or, a, <laughs> you know, there's always entrepreneurs that have these great like hustle stories. Yeah, they do. <laughs> 
I'm an engineer. I'm raised by two engineers. And, you know, I like to say my grandpa was a gambler um, <laughs> and my and my dad was a quality engineer. And so those are like opposing forces, right? Yeah. And quality engineers are known as the folks that like don't take risks. And so I am, am like a perfect hybrid of both is is that I when I see something like many entrepreneurs, it just was keeping me up at night and I'm not one to, to let that go. And yeah, and way, this is a fault of mine too, because, uh, it, yeah, it, it becomes an addiction. I, I, I describe entrepreneurship almost as an addiction in that sense is that I couldn't not do it for better or for worse. And so, um, I, I think I'm wired more to tackle, you know, as part of a team, I want to emphasize this. I'm not this solo person. I, gosh, yes. amazing team. Um, I, I'm, I'm hardwired like a lot of folks to, to identify problems and tackle problems together as a team, but also within the system. Less so identify as an entrepreneur, to be honest, even though that's <laughs> what I am. More yeah. about charging with tackling hard problems. Wow. You know, when I think about entrepreneurship, a lot of entrepreneurs feel like they got to do it all. And I know you keep mentioning team and you're very um, proud of your team and you're a small team, but you're a mighty team. How important is it as an entrepreneur to have a team to help you move forward with your vision? Because some entrepreneurs feel like they could just do it all, you know, and I feel like they kind of lack in certain areas because of that, because they're afraid to relinquish certain duties and responsibilities to people because they're so afraid to give their baby out to other people. How important is you think to have that team? Oh, it's so critical. We would be nowhere without our just stellar team, whether that's our ops, our clinical ops, our marketing, mm-hmm. working with payers. And, you know, as a team, like it's so important that we're humming together. And by the way, this is hard and it's stressful. There's urgency, there's pressure. Yeah. I just have tremendous respect for our team because A, they deal with me all day, um, but B, <laughs> they're so mission oriented and and I think it's so important that folks feel that mission because it's hard and you need to have that mission and passion to be able to make it through those hard days and those hard times. Because when you're tackling these hard, complex issues, it, you, you need to have that passion. And, you know, I, I do teach a little bit part time and kind of nights mm-hmm. and weekends. And one of the things I tell students is it's not about just the idea. You've got to have passion. Yeah. Got to have a superpower expertise tied to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's got to be an, a market need and all of those things raveled together are what create like a, a fertile environment for tackling and starting an organization or company, whether it's for profit or nonprofit. And it, it, it but passion will get you through the yeah. times. And as a team, you need to feel that mission alignment to what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. You know, when it comes to back over to breastfeeding, it comes to breastfeeding, I always wonder what is the father role? Like, what would you tell the father? What would be his role in the breastfeeding process? Because men need to know what they need to do because they, they seem like they get such the great end of the stick here. You know what I mean? Like they are, they're really, they sleep, they can, <laughs> they can go to work. They look great. They feel great. Women, we do it all. So what is the father's role in the breastfeeding journey? Well, what's funny you say that I, there's this TikTok video that I love where this mm-hmm. dad, you know, bless him. <laughs> like, you know, in labor delivery, and he's complaining about how his back hurts because he had to sleep on. You know, they're not. It, it's, it's not very comfortable those couches that they have in the labor delivery. Yeah, 
it's like no no like come on dude really <laughs> yeah exactly um so so we have dads approach us all the time actually so dads feel very helpless because they're like they see their partner struggling they see their wife yeah. struggling and they're like what can i do well there's a lot of things you can do and we act, we were getting asked this question so much by dads we created a class for them we created a, a dad good class. it's free dads come check it out on, on our website if you go under resources classes check it out um so here's some things you can do dads for those that listening or or wives share this with your your dad one is clean the bottles clean the yeah. bottle right? clean the bottles <laughs> clean the bottles right it's it's it, it i started calculating it it was the equivalent of a 40-hour work week over the course of a few months, the amount of bottle cleaning. Secondly, clean the pump parts. If your wife is pumping, clean the pump parts. These are all things. Third, if your wife is pumping, form the feeding, be part of the overnight feeds. You can do that too. Like it there's a bottle involved. It doesn't need to be the pair, the mom all the time. You can be part of that experience as well. It's not, it shouldn't all be on the mom. Um, and then exactly. selfishly fourth, reach out to simplyfed, simplyfed.com and get an appointment yes. for your partner, right? Like the whole maternal healthcare journey isn't just on the mom to book the appointments to do that. Like that is a lot. That is a lot, mm -hmm. a lot. You it think, is so going back to what we were talking about earlier. If you hear that your wife needs to book her glucose test, like I was mentioning, mm -hmm. do that. book an appointment on simply fed. Make sure, help book her pelvic floor therapy appointment. Something else that's, by the way, covered by health plans. Hooray on that. And so be part of the care experience. It shouldn't all be, that burden shouldn't all be on the the mom and be yeah. part of the care team. Yeah. And I, and I think that's important to have the support. You know, if you are married, to have the support of the fathers in your life, to have the support of the dad, because it does take a lot of stress off of you. Because like I said, sometimes it's like, it's all on you. You deal with all the emotions and stuff like that. Um, this is this has been very informative. I know a lot of my listeners are going to get um, a lot of great information from this from this show. So just tell people how the Simply Fed work. Like, what do they need to do in order to um, do they only can they only go through an insurance company or can they go on the website and do things for themselves? Yeah, so good news is come to our website, simplyfed.com. Uh, it's going to want to autocorrect to simplified, but simplyfed.com. <laughs> Um, or text us. Um, so you don't even need to book directly through our website. We know a lot of parents, especially new parents, you're holding a baby in one arm, your phone in the other. So you can text us at 888-458-1364 and we'll get you started on your journey. We'll ask you some quick questions. Um, and then essentially we'll, we'll check your health plan coverage, but no matter what, we'll provide you access to support, such as VR classes, et cetera. But come to our website, simplyfed.com and, and uh, who will be greeting you on the other end of that either form or text is uh, a, a, a capability, an amazing human being. We call our Simply Fit Ally. They're like mm -hmm. your navigator in the virtual manifestation of that person at the front desk. You'll get greeted by an ally, often they're a peer mom, and they'll work you through, get you scheduled, send you a reminder, do all that fun stuff. You can text them if you have a question about your appointment time or needing to reschedule, any of that fun stuff. Uh, they'll advocate to you, to your to your health plan. If they're say they're not covering, they're your trusted resource. Um, and then we'll get you set up with appointments. Most of our health plans cover at least six appointments. So this is some that starts during pregnancy, but then 
extends postpartum and you have access to ongoing support. And so come check out our website or come to our Instagram at Simply Fed Baby and, and be part of our community as well. Yeah, this is this is really good. I'm definitely gonna have all the info on Simply Fed and all the show notes and on YouTube as well. So they're gonna have everything they need to get there. Can be no reason why they can't get in contact with you. So <laughs> for what they need, but this has been such a great show, Andrew. I really do appreciate it. I'm gonna ask you one more question that I ask every um, guest that come on my show. What was some of the? What was one of the best advice you received from another woman? Um, my mom and around having a baby said, "Don't be a hero." Um, and it was, it was like, don't feel like you need to, you know, be at your best always or, or also reach out for help. And that's one thing we always say to parents is we're here to support you when and where you need it. Judgment free, validate how you feel uh, and talk through your options. And so I think that's so important that folks meet parents where they're at, mm-hmm. as we talked about earlier, without judgment. Um, do a lot of listening and, and just supporting and rooting on your family and friends. Yeah, this, this has been great. And I really appreciate you being on the show. We've learned, I've learned a lot. I know this is the conversation I wanted to have and I'm glad we were able to have it. And guys, listen, that's going to do it for us. I hope you guys are just informed as I am and are ready to tackle your breastfeeding or baby feeding journey. Make sure you get in touch with Simply Fed. I am Shawnee Sanders. This is the Girl Techno Podcast and we will see you guys next time.